Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shaman Sister Sessions. My name is Michelle Hawk. I'm here with my Shaman Sister, Catherine Bird, and special guest today, Galactic Ashley. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy and excited that we're here to speak with you today about light language. I met Ashley through a Dragon Summit that I spoke at recently. She was also a speaker, and we connected, and uh, we invited her to be on our podcast to speak about light language. Galactic Ashley channels guidance for those seeking intimacy with the divine as source originally intended. She uses light language frequencies and works with your soul guidance system to facilitate high frequency healing transmissions and encoded activations. She desires a world filled with leaders led by love, which we can certainly relate to here at the podcast. After earning a master's in fine art from University of Arizona in Tucson, she merged her passion for art and metaphysics with her cross-cultural mentoring and teaching background to lovingly develop divine immersion programs. Her work focuses on the intersection of cosmic consciousness and embodied wisdom. These channeled courses invite you deeper into your divine leadership and resourced God self while empowering you to heal and walk your unique ascension path. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Good. I'm really happy to be here and honored to be on your show, like shaman sister in kind. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> Thanks, yeah. Ashley. And I, you know, just so we can go off of the gate, um, one of the things that Ashley does teach is is light language, and I think this is something that a lot of people are interested in because it happens to people. And then there's a lot of curiosity as to what the heck is going on. And uh, it's it can be such a curiosity. It can be triggering. It can be confusing. Mm -hmm. It can, uh, there's so many, there's so many pieces that I think that, um, that come up for people in the process of having this awakening and um, integrating this into their practice. So I think it's really key and important that you're, you're offering some education and, and just awareness about it. Uh, I know that when this first started happening to me, I didn't have any context or understanding. Um, I mean, this was a long time ago when we didn't have as many resources, but uh, I didn't have any context or understanding about what, the, what was going on. So um, I'd love if you would share a little bit about your kind of awakening into this path. Sure. And then I would also like to know how you sort of, how your light language sort of entered into your world too, because that's always really fascinating how and when that happens. So first, I just want to kind of, um, I'm going to say define, but loosely at least wrap some language around what light language is, at least from my perspective. Um, <clears throat> first of all, light language is verbal, and it's also can come through the body. It can come through writing. So there's a lot of different forms of it. And I feel like, I don't want to say there's an overemphasis on it, but generally when it's spoken about, it is um, spoken about um, from the perspective of the voice. And while that's really important and while that tends to be the version that freaks people out the most, um, I would also like to remind people that it comes through our hands, it comes through our body, it comes through writing, and that it is multifaceted in the way that it expresses through our physical structures. And I think that's one of the most important things is that it expresses through our physical structures and through our bodies. 
And so in that way, it can be really grounding and beneficial. Um, <clears throat> for me, I was have always been using it. Of course, I didn't call it light language because I don't know who coined that term. <clears throat> I should probably know that, but I do not. Um, I think there's also another misnomer um, about it being only galactic in nature. And I also like to remind people that the Earth is um, part of the star nations and that we are all galactic and star beings. And so it's not an alien thing, although it could be an alien thing. It can also be a Nordic thing, an indigenous thing, an ancient Earth thing. Um, runes, a lot of, um, you could call, um, like the Egyptian hieroglyphs part of this because it's a communication, it's a language. Essentially what we're doing is we're taking vibration and we are stopping it down. So you can say that, um, color is sound frozen and that is part of light language. And so these are all the things that we get to go over and explore in my course, but, for me, I um, used it when I was a child. Of course, this is none of the language that I used to describe it. But now when I look back, I used it to um, bring a soothing calmness to my central nervous system. So I have always used it to regulate my central nervous system. So when I was a child and I was afraid and I was scared and I was going through my various traumatic experiences... Um, and fear states and places, I would just sort of sit there and I might move my body or do things with my fingers or my hands and then sort of tune, like tone and kind of make these sort of just tones and sort of little languages that would come through my system. I would also use my tongue to kind of draw like against my teeth or on the roof of my mouth, like in space. So I was really taking like making marks in the field around me, which now I know was me kind of like healing the maybe stuck energies in the room and making myself sort of feel more comfortable. <clears throat> and um, I have some distinct memories of like swimming in a pool or in the ocean and I had like a little snorkel thing and I would hum and sing like into it so it's like making a different vibration that's then running through my body um, all of the doodles and all the things that I was writing in my books throughout school over time um, all I consider to be light language so for those of you that are out there that are listening I invite you to think about these things particularly when you were a child because I believe that Many people are actually using light language and not quite realizing it. While some people, and I have heard this story, become spontaneously activated in like a coals. <laughs> and it sounds like, you know, the fire of like the tongues are coming through you. That also happens and that is okay. So I feel, I really believe that we're here to, particularly at this time, be able to access our stations of identity and we're being asked to integrate this. So in in my course and the way that I sort of structure things and when I work with people, the intention is is that we're not, although you can do this, access other people's light language and sort of channel it back at them. Um, we're I'm really focusing on you accessing aspects of yourself and inviting in light language through your system. Um, so that you can really express these multidimensional aspects of yourself 
which when this happens, I think it's important to remember that we are inviting in medicine that our soul is creating specifically for this body, for this self, for this consciousness. And when we do that, it also brings up stuff. So that's why my containers are nine weeks for everything that I teach, because I feel that integration is really an important part of this. And how do we ground this into our body? So the beautiful part of that is that while light language can become the trigger to bring up stuff, it also becomes the healing tool that can actually help you heal that which it brings up. So the way that sometimes we can work with the body is actually by drawing the light language so that it is emitting this frequency or opening this stargate that actually is able to facilitate healing within the physical structure, which the voice can do, but it's a little bit different. It almost is <clears throat> at a different octave or frequency that can kind of integrate and sort of titrate into the body which is a little bit different than when the voice is used. But they're all like when you work with them all together, it has it's just like this sort of very full sort of extent. So what if you draw some light language image and then you put it on the wall and then you channel light language through your body, through movement, and then you're toning at the same time? Like that's a pretty amazing feeling that really offers a lot to yourself. And I also believe that light language is like this frequency that is exponential so that when I'm singing it or singing it to the plants or myself, that there is this intention that is embedded behind it so that when it goes out, it, be, it begins to enter into the field so that anything that needs it has the opportunity to sort of touch it and work with it and maybe recreate with it. And so it just sort of goes out into the field. So frequently when I'm driving, I'll be guided to like sing light language when I'm driving through the mountains or particularly <clears throat> in the area that we lived after the forest fires that we had a couple of years ago and we're in the Pacific Northwest, <clears throat> I would be guided to like sing. And then it's sort of, it's not like, it's kind of like a form of grid work. So sometimes it feels more grid worky than other times. And sometimes it just feels like I'm just connecting to the plants and the trees while I'm driving through their mountain space. So I think it can, it, it's part of my everyday experience. So, yeah. So that's kind of, it's always been there. And then when I was able to identify it, then I could consciously use it just with everything all the time. So I'm also curious about how the two of you, if you feel that you work with light language or how it sort of showed up for you. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you, Ashley. I love how focused on the integration and the embodiment of that you are, because I see a lot of people when, uh, you know, and I'm going to expand this just to speak about mediumship for a moment. I see so many people who are opening to their mediumship and I would put light language under, under that umbrella as part of uh, working with mediumship activation. There's a lot of um, dissociative or ungrounded ness of working with that and people are almost seeing it as something outside of themselves but i think everything that you said is really great and really important of putting it in the body and receiving it as codes and healing and activation first internally because i do believe that in mediumship you know we the the medium is the first one to receive from those healings from those transmissions from those spirits and then anything that is shared 
out is coming from that receiving first. And I think it's really important to be able to integrate that well into the body and integrate that into the bioform and the personal personal sphere of consciousness. And then from that place to be able to transmit and offer that to the world, to other people, to the trees and mountains, et cetera. Um, yeah, I, I think that's really great. And uh, my, my work, since you asked about that with light language, uh, I would, I think, that was something also similarly that I didn't quite realize I was doing as a young person. And, you know, now I have, uh, you know, more than 20 years shamanic practice and many, many years of practice and cultivation and, uh, and work in mastering my mediumship practice and light language. Now I have a different understanding of, but for me, it often shows up through my voice, through singing. Uh, I see lots of symbols I, I see the, you know, it looks like the, you know, swirls of symbols coming through or almost like this sheet of light coated with all of these shapes that uh, that is either descending upon me or upon a person or I'm seeing symbols lit up in people's body and my hands are moving in certain ways to draw them or to to move them or to have a representation of that. And then I see I see it as like codes that I'm singing into people. That's a way that that often mm -hmm. shows up for me or when working with particular beings. And I, I think it's definitely more prevalent for me when working with certain beings or frequencies than others. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I've, you know, been able to track some of that of, I see, I see a lot of light language when I work with dragons and, you know, for me, that's, you know, the dragon language. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and when I'm working with other particular frequencies, it comes through in different ways, but a lot of singing. And as you said, moving, and in some cases drawing, I remember years and years ago, I was putting together a, a deck or a book of symbols that I had seen and that somehow got lost along the way, but I do have it somewhere in a journal of all of these different symbols that I received as part of light language that were shared with me with particular meanings or frequencies around them. I even offered them to people as, as part of some initiation. I remember this was happening years and years ago of, I would see a symbol for someone, be guided to offer it to them. They were, were meditating on it and I was offered to you know put it in their field according to them bringing that in. And that didn't really go anywhere after that. And now it shows up more in, in my healing work, but it was coming up very strongly for a while. And now it's more integrated with other things that I do. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Kat, how I, about you? Well, I love that both of you are talking about the uh, the multidimensional and multi uh, aspect of uh, this, you know, these transmissions and this work and the way that it can show up in different ways and the ways that different people might be interacting with this and maybe not even knowing it. Uh, maybe that you are more of a somatically inclined person. And so when you let yourself really go into a movement practice, that you might discover that you are in, you know, interacting with this in your physical body or through your breath or through sound in a way that you haven't really noticed yet. So I'm hoping that people are, are kind of lighting up different things of maybe remembering things that they have been doing or noticing things that they're being called toward now that uh, might be a part of this larger 
uh, exploration of what this even means for us as as humans and as practitioners. Um, so thank you, thank you both for for showing all of that. Um, when I was going through my awakening, because I was uh, one of those people who had the intense, radical, very fast awakenings that happened uh, in a in a way that was. Uh, like, like being plugged into the wall for the first time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so this was one of the things that was occurring initially quite quickly, but because I didn't have any context for what was happening or how to allow it. And, and there was a huge part of breaking through my own blocks and energy congestions and, and pieces that I was working through it, it went through a f many phases of kind of haltingly and glottally stop stoppingly and it in some ways almost being painful trying to get it to like it wanted to move through my system so badly but it was challenged in that and so it did I didn't know what was happening and I didn't know what the result was or the effect or why it was occurring. All I knew was this was what was happening. And so I just kept attempting to surrender and surrender and surrender. And through that, having my, my throat open and my voice open and my sound and frequency work open. And I didn't have any I had never heard of light language. I never even used that term. I still don't use that term very often personally for me. Um, I remember when it first started happening, my my partner would call it, oh, cat's geeking out again. <laughs> like, like, what's yeah. going on? You know, because it was like so weird. You know, it was not something that anyone was doing that I had any exposure to. And then... Uh, through the, the process, uh, I mean, I understood that there was a thing called speaking in tongues because I grew mm -hmm. up in Texas. So I knew about Pentecostal churches and I knew that there was a thing called speaking in tongues. Uh, I hadn't really, I had never seen it in real life, but I, I knew that that existed. So I sort of understood that there was, there was there was a connection there and that that's what this was. And then I was fortunate enough to, um, to meet a few people. I met a woman who sang in tongues and, uh, mm. and saw her perform. And I was like, Oh, that's the thing. That's what I do. That's the thing that's that I do. I do that. And I had never seen another human do it before. So that was really fortunate. And then I met a PhD a linguist who gave a talk about glossolalia, which is the technical yeah. term for this, uh, coming from the Greek, uh, basically meaning many tongues, and that uh, spoke about the history and how that this occurs in every culture on the planet, and that it's been documented, and uh, that it is actually very human and a common occurrence within humanity. 
And I think that those, those two things really helped me to accept that, oh, this is a thing. This is uh, not so weird. And from there, then uh, I could understand and ask about, like, I started asking about, like, what what is it? What does it mean? And I would receive different phrases that did different things that were opening the channel or calling in specific beings. And especially in my healing work, that it was it was part of the healing work and part of uh, and part of my work and part of my channeling. And for quite a while, I didn't have translations for my channeling. My mediumship was a hundred percent in these other languages, and hmm. even I put on a three-hour transformance event. The first one that I ever did that was a big one, which was a shamanic channeled healing event, um, and took people through this big experience. There was zero English in the whole thing. So, uh, but only by doing it. Did I receive then through that initiation of offering it, did I start to receive the, the translations and the ability, like my brain got better at being able to translate, this is what that means over time. But it was a long, I mean, a pretty big, long journey for me and um, activating, understanding, developing, integrating, like the integration part was years in the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Ashley, amazing. I'm, uh, I'm curious, Ashley, how, how you see people going through that process and maybe areas where you see people getting stuck or getting tripped up or common challenges as people are activating to their light language. Sure. Let's talk. I was like writing all of these notes. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, let's go. We could talk about all these things. Um, so translation, that's a really big one. I find that people really want to know how to translate it. And so I suggest not getting stuck on that, like at all. There are some people out there who actually refuse to translate it. Um, and I think that that's fine. It's like, you know, whatever floats your boat, that's totally fine. It, it doesn't it doesn't need to be translated. So usually what I always tell people is even when you are translating it, knowing that you are only translating a very tiny layer of it, that it is so, so much more than what you can even even fathom is coming through you. So what um, what I usually do is um, I remember the dragons in particular because I channel beings that I just sort of loosely identify as the dragon consciousness. There's no bodies. There's no nothing. But um, they I remember I was in just like a channeling group like several years ago and we were just sort of playing around, tuning into the collective. Um, just, I think there was like six of us. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to just, I just want to sit up there, you know, like you see other channels that just, you know, Bashar or somebody that just like show up and they sit there and they just start talking. I'm like, I'm going to do that. So they were like, fine. So I went up there and I did that. And um, I think after a couple of sessions, they were like, are you done now? And I was like, yeah, because really what was happening was I was like running light language through my head, like, you know, 
And they were like, people need the frequency of the light language that is coming through you. Plus, it is very much incorporated in like chunks of downloads. So um, a lot of what happens and I tend to I do work one on one and I do do sessions one on one mentoring and coaching and all of that. But I am also really designed to be able to work with groups. Um, and it took me a little while to be able to work up to working with groups because not only am I feeling every person, but I'm really very attuned to all of the beings that are present. And I'm also there to invite beings in that aren't attached to actual people. I don't mean attached, attached. Sorry, I know we're on a shaman show, but I mean that are connected to, <laughs> that are connected to. <clears throat> the people, right? Like their soul's guidance system, their guides, their angels, whatever. And to invite in other frequencies that are there that are in the space that are also wanting to learn. And I'm not pretending that they're learning like from me, but things are coming through me that are also for beyond the people that are present. So I remember the first time I worked and I channeled in front of a group, maybe there was just like 20 people. It was it was a lot. Like I went home and I had to go through like a whole bunch of other healings with my um, galactic consciousness, which are also dragons um, and massive like mother wound healing and all kinds of things started coming up. And so I it took me maybe like a year before I was able to like channel in front of groups of people. So I think that, you know, there's all there's a lot of integration that is in a lot of this. So the whole point of this is. <laughs> is that the dragons in particular will um, they'll flow frequencies through me that are about attuning the group and then um, me getting attuned to what's about to come through. And then um, they, um, I, I keep wanting to say float out, so I'll just go and say that, float out codes of integration so that frequency, so that people sort of get primed to be able to integrate what kind of comes through. So there's a lot of, things that I would say aren't necessarily translatable. And then this is the other thing. So let's say, because I used to do this for a while and I'm not anymore, but when I do go to um, fairs, like metaphysical fairs, I do, I draw and channel at the same time so that you leave with a light language code that's for you. So the power of working, oh, and I also have paintings on my website that are light, I forgot, that are, <laughs> that are light language codes that are sort of, I make them and I put them out. And then if it resonates with you, then it's for you to sort of like carry that code with you for yourself and for the collective, et cetera. But what it is, is that when we're working with these energetic art pieces and when we're working with them, as we shift, it actually grows with you because it's not static. It is also multidimensional. And so, and the translation slash translation will sort of emit it's it's been emitting the same frequencies but you'll be able to access different information so it's similar to if you're working with crystal skulls how there's multiple layers so i can hand you um a, a crystal skull and say it's like activated like to 22 levels inside the crystal skull but it's really only going to be able to match you're only going to be able to match the information that that crystal skull holds as much as you're activated. Like it doesn't automatically make you magical, right? Like you have to do the work to reach, to get to the point, to actually be able to work with that skull, which is why these crystal skulls move around to find somebody that usually they have a contract with um, or some kind of agreement with to be able to work with them. And they're like directly aligned with our DNA. So I know there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, I want DNA activations, which light language can facilitate, but you have to, 
you have to be able to match the DNA activations, integrate them into your body. And even if you have higher level, because a lot of people have come in with like higher level activations, you still can't forget <laughs> the quote unquote lower level activations. So I just want to, it, it gets to really be like in flow with the translation because it's not just a direct translation. There's something I like to term the aesthetic force that lives behind everything that we're saying and that we're speaking about or that we're channeling about. And so I always ask people to tune into the energy that is coming in. So if you get caught up with the language, it doesn't matter, but whether it's light language or English language or whatever it is, but to really tune into the energy that's behind it, because that's really where all the information is. So if you can multidimensionally, if you resonate with someone like any one of us that are up here or all of us, you can multidimensionally take your body, take yourself and sort of hook into this container that we're creating together and really receive a lot of activations and information beyond what we're saying. And that's really what I call it um, whole body reading or whole body listening. It's including like our multidimensionality and this physicality at once kind of bringing it all in. And one of the other things that I think light language frees up, I think this is based on, I can't remember one of you said this, but um, oh, the glossolia, right? It's the many tongues. So what's beautiful about that is like, <clears throat> I do get clients and, and people that come in that get stuck because they actually came out of a church that spoke tongues. So there, to me, there is a frequency difference in that. I love to hear that somebody went out and was singing it. And this is only my understanding, and so this might not be entirely true. My understanding is, is that in general, at least originally, if you are speaking in tongues, that you aren't the person that translate it, translates it but there has to be a translator there or you can't speak it. So I've had people that have come to me because they have to heal this because they would be in a church where that would be happening and it would want to spontaneously come through them. And somebody was actually reprimanded and told to be quiet and wasn't allowed to do that. So there was some healing and a lot of things that sort of needed to be healed and looked at so that she could actually bring this through her body. And it was really powerful so what I feel where light language sort of sits a little bit differently is that you have the power to translate it or to not translate it. Like you get to decide and that it can be healing for you and for those who also accept that healing around you. I don't actually can feel... I can yeah. I interject something here real quick? Because it's, <laughs> I mean, I, I love it. I love everything you're saying. And that's awesome. And, you know, I, I don't see it so much as you get to decide it's more like what is the layer of transmission that is wanting to come through and be available to our conscious awareness like you were talking about of um you know the the um the aesthetic force or the whole system energy that is coming through a light language transmission this is something that i have very very consistently received through my guides particularly the dragon heart council and mm -hmm. um, really every, every time I do channeling and, uh, and I'm bringing through messages, usually when it's coming through in English, such as the Dragonheart Council, where it's, um, you know, I have, I have this up on my website in case anyone is interested, uh, transmissions from a, a dragon collective where they're speaking in English, they very clearly say, we're giving you something for your brain to think about so that yeah. the rest of you opens up to receive the entirety of the transmission, which is completely not 
available on the conscious level. It's only available through the subperceptual, socio-sensual awareness, subtle body, etheric fields. And yes, so they, they provide, yeah, so they provide a, um, you know, when, when they're speaking English through me, they provide like, here's a thing for your brain to think about. And we're going to be doing all this other stuff that you will never consciously know is happening, but it is happening on the subtle layers, which is why people are often very, uh, you know, people may feel either very tired or very energized or very peaceful or have some, some sort of sensation after receiving a light language transmission, whether it's in the form of an English transmission or in the form of glossolalia or in the form of singing. And uh, and I have found very consistently that it's really actually not up to me if there's a translation offered through that. It's up to the being or, or the frequencies that I'm bringing through, whether they are caring to translate that into English or not. And right. uh, and I have learned to roll with that and to, uh, you know, everyone that I have offered this to or, or if, um, for whom this has come through me is... Uh, does understand that. And I do explain it. It's like, you know, this, this part is available to your conscious awareness and this part is not. And mm -hmm. it's also, I find very, um, very liberating to encourage people to receive it as it is offered and to come to their own understanding of it without needing a translation. And I find that people, right. people are very open to that and that does end up activating things in people and, uh, and usually supporting them and cultivating their own mediumship and their self-trust and their relationship with these beings who are speaking through this. Right. And yeah. just to be clear, I mean, I, the reason why I was bringing up the translation part in relation to the tongues is because of my understanding, and this could be incorrect, is that there must be a translator present. And so mm -hmm. that's what I'm trying so to get. I like that, that in, doesn't have in to happen. Some, in some churches that has become the case, right? Because okay. just yeah. as in some churches, uh, many things have become the case where there is a uh, there is an aspect of control over the divine experience because if there right. isn't an aspect of control over the divine experience then anyone can do anything at any time and there's less of the need for the collective group and also it has been shown that a lot of times in those particular situations where people are learning the same language. They are speaking kind of a consistent language with each other, which may or may not occur if you're doing it on your own. So I think mm -hmm. that in those particular church situations that that has become the case, um, I, I, I don't know that it has always been the case that that would be the way that, um, that that has functioned throughout. I mean, because it's it's everywhere, so it's it's not always that there's a translator. But as far as I've seen working with people who have come from charismatic Christian backgrounds, there generally is trauma and belief uh -huh. systems and blocks that occur that have to do with, you know, is this okay? Am I safe? Um, do I do uh -huh. I need someone else to translate for this for me? Is you know, is there something inherently wrong or bad or evil about this experience that I'm having? Or, um, you know, all of those things can come up, especially when you've grown up in a situation where you've seen that. And it can be startling to a young child to witness it's other people startling. in this experience. So I think that for our listeners, if 
if you have grown up in a family or a church community where this was a part of it, or you remember something that happened that was significant for you, just to understand that there might be pieces that you need support on to be able to surrender because so much of mediumship is about surrendering and is about not knowing and is about, well, this is what's happening and I don't necessarily have a translation or I don't necessarily know everything about this and that's okay. Yeah, no, that's great. I think that a lot of the people that end up coming into my space have shown up with the, in one of the cases, only men were allowed to do it, right? So, I mean, these are just sort of, to me, these are themes that are running through the collective, whether they're coming out of a church or not. But I mean, just a, a few of the women that I had that came through, there were only men that were allowed to speak in tongues and there had to be a translator present. So there's, I mean, yeah. there's a lot this, there, I think. Yeah. A and lot the of same for come... laying, laying on of hands in those communities. Yeah. Um, right. And there were also be these rules that were set up. And so that also can, can bring things up when you have, when you have stuff that's coming through your hands and you're, you're drawn towards healing work. Yeah, but the beauty yeah. is we get to reclaim all of this. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's awesome. Beautiful. Ashley, what are some of the areas where you see uh, people really growing and expanding in light language? Or how do you see light language supporting people in their evolution, what is becoming available and possible through working with this as a, a healing and growth practice? I feel like it's it's definitely a lot more um, normal, I guess. I mean, I don't know if it's normal, <laughs> if it's normal, but I think within maybe like the metaphysical context, there are maybe more people that are using it. And I'm finding out that there are more people that are uh, using it, but aren't necessarily like outwardly saying that they're using it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I work with a lot of practitioners that tend to come because they want to incorporate light language into either their channeling practice or their licensed massage therapists, and they're wanting to include this in, in with their sound healing. Um, artists that will come in because they're wanting to activate this within themselves to include it in their art practice. So it's um, yoga teach. I mean, yoga to me is a form of light language in and of itself. I don't how couldn't it be? Um, but I think just sometimes bringing an awareness into it. And so being able to get down. I mean, anytime you do a yoga pose, it's like you're inviting in massive downloads to, from my experience, directly from the Christ consciousness, right? Like, I guess, depending on which form of yoga that you're doing. Um, <clears throat> so I feel that people are, are using it a lot more. And I'm actually curious um, from your all perspectives, because I didn't know this. I mean, I know that people will sometimes within plant medicine ceremonies get sort of spontaneously activated. And, I, and obviously it's not just when I'm there because that would be <laughs> egomaniacal of me to think that that's a thing. But I do happen to be there and um, frequently in some spaces I'm allowed to like sing in like the shared singing part. Um, and once I had a shaman ask me to sing in between when they were moving from one person to another. Um, 
so people would come to me and they would ask me about like I think I was spontaneously activated and I'd be like great like it's it's not for me to like say anything other than I can hold space and listen to you and all of that but I was in a trauma-informed plant medicine program for a couple of years and it was like the second year that I was in it there was actually a group that broke off that was light and there was like 25 people in there and I was like this is amazing with like other facilitators and practitioners so I'm wondering how either of you have found or seen light language show up in plant medicine circles, because it seems to be showing up more or at least spoken about more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in, I mean, anywhere that there's mediumship, it shows up. Okay. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's definitely, it depends on the circle. I think if it, there is openness or, uh, you know, some circles you are very much be quiet and stay, you know, be very still and in your seat and don't say right. anything and just sing these songs. And this is what your is required of you and don't annoy anyone. And in other circles, there might be more openness to, that and in other circles sometimes you you know you can't stop people because they just it is spontaneous <laughs> and they're not that in control of it yet mm -hmm. um i mean it, it's definitely there mm -hmm. michelle yeah. i i do yeah i have definitely seen people go through this seemingly you know it's I'll, I'll use your term spontaneous activation. And yet every time I have seen that for people, it's been building up for a while. So it's really just sort right. of a like final push over the edge of like, okay, this thing opened up. And just recently there was a person attending, um, attending ceremony who had been, uh, and I did not know this prior, but they had been struggling with their singing and their vocal expression Mm -hmm. And throughout this, and just in life in general, and this person was a, um, is a voice actor and on stage mm -hmm. in front of people. Mm -hmm. And then in ceremony, they ended up having this bursting forth of singing and in tears said, you taught me how to sing. I've been going to teachers for years mm. and I never learned how to sing. But during that ceremony, they learned how to sing. And that was That's really, uh, yeah, really, really wonderful to witness and support and, um, and facilitate for that person. Yeah. And of course, you know, looking at, I, I don't know whatever the medicine was that they were receiving internally that made that possible, but I'm really happy mm -hmm. that that happened. And, um, and then it was very beautiful also to witness other people in the ceremony. There was someone who was having a, a very difficult time and specifically requested, Hey, will you sing for me to that person who had had that activation? Oh, so that person, <laughs> it was wonderful. So as, as I, um, as I was tending to the person, that person joined me to sing. And so we had a really beautiful um, support of the person who was having a difficult time. Uh, um, that makes and sense. <laughs> it was yeah. wonderful. And yeah. it was so beautiful. Yeah. And, and then having the affirmation and, and the immediately putting into action the service yeah. of this awakening that had just happened for this person. So it was really exquisite. And, um, you know, as far as people experiencing uh, light language activations in ceremony, as Kat said, yes, this is present wherever there is mediumship. And, uh, and I do, I know that 
you know, since mediumship is a very strong component of my practice, uh, you know, I, this is something I ask of people in ceremonies. What is your mediumship practice like or, or preparing for ceremony? What is your mediumship practice like? And, how, you know, how or to what extent are you looking to develop that so that I can support people if slash when that is coming up for them? And I see that coming through um, in people being inspired to offer songs or prayers or vocal transmissions. Sometimes it's coming through, um, you know, it's not expressing in the moment verbally, but it's coming through later of, oh, I saw this and this and this sharing after ceremony. So they're receiving Mm -hmm. it as visual activation. Um, Some people, I have yet to... um, yet to see anyone burst open in incorporation mediumship for the first time in mm. what in ceremony usually when i'm seeing people uh it, with incorporation mediumship they've already been practicing that and uh and i think that that's a um that's a different growth edge for people so cat i know you were talking about things coming on gradually and feeling a lot of the fits and starts of this, and I think that that is um, that is generally true of people. Like the the activations of it, particularly if there are layers of density that people are working through, which may be supported in plant medicine ceremony. If people are working through either conditioning, like you were talking about, Ashley, of coming from various backgrounds where that may have been mm-hmm. discouraged, or coming through um, chronic illness, or coming through. Um, dissociation or trauma or whatever that may be mm-hmm. it it's generally the more subtle layers that start to come through first like maybe you're seeing things behind your closed eyes or you're hearing things or it starts to come through with like a little tone or it starts to come through with a sound and mm-hmm. then your hand starts to twitch and then your spine is starting to undulate. So there's almost like this, this increasing up ramping or like, you know, increasing, uh, increasingly, what is the word I want? (laughs) Um, it's almost like it starts gradually and it builds from there. And as it, and as people become more open to it, they become available to some of the more dramatic or more, um, energetically, costly forms of working with light language, you know, so it, and I have had experience of, um, generally like moving the body incorporation Mm -hmm. mediumship. Generally people don't start with that. They start with something vocal or visual and it moves up from there. And by the time they get to incorporation mediumship, they've already been seeing or hearing things or speaking things. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I have seen people uh, spontaneous. I've seen people spontaneously light language with Hoppe or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some mm-hmm. other, some other thing or just out of nowhere. Um, I've, I've had a lot of people who've had that happen just being in a, in a group or something. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's important in this. I, one of the things that I enjoy about teaching mediumship work is how different that people are and how varied their experiences can be and the way they receive, the way they experience, the way they transmit. 
And so often people see something out in the world or they see Mm -hmm. someone who's doing something and they think it should be like that or look like that or Mm -hmm. feel like that. And it just isn't. So I hope that everybody listening to this is like big breath, big sigh. (sighs) Okay. I'm just, I'm having my experience over here and that's okay. Um, I used to really, I actually felt a lot of shame around this for for years. I didn't want anybody to hear it. I didn't want anybody to know what was happening to me. I um I thought it was so weird. I thought people would really be put off by it. I um and then I sing in in tongues and so for years I also struggled with why do I just sing in tongues? And I received that I wasn't supposed, cause I couldn't remember lyrics. I couldn't remember the mm-hmm. sacred songs and the circle songs that everybody was singing. And I was like, Oh, this is so great and so sweet. And, uh, I received that, you know, that would actually be a distraction for me because this huh. was, this was my I path. I love that. That makes me feel better. <laughs> this was my path and this was my medicine and to love it and accept it and bring it forward in the way that it is happening. And uh, I, it, over the years have, have learned to love and accept and appreciate and have gratitude for exactly this way that I am and the mediumship that I am and the healer and the medium that I am. And I think that that's such a big part of this journey of self-love and acceptance through whatever it is that's arising. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I have a hard time singing (laughs) with English words and it also doesn't sound very great either, which is fine, which isn't the point. And I also think, um, although I also know that I have, I need, I need to go and like a next up, not up level. That's the wrong, that has an expectation behind it. But a next step for me is to actually go and get vocal lessons because I know that that feels really scary to me. Um, and I need to kind of go through that. Um, and at the same time, I also know that it's okay. Like I know this for sure that it's okay that I am not an opera singer. And that is why I'm also here to sort of sing in front of people to show you that you don't need to be trained that because sometimes the sounds that want to come through you are like buzzing sounds or like, they're not beautiful like, sometimes. Yeah. They're, they're really it's like ugly sounds. Not beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And those are like, that's the frequency that is needed. And so you have to be okay with that. So trying to make it sound beautiful isn't always necessarily like that might be the controlled thing to do, but not the allowed thing to do. So I think simultaneously, I, I need to go through some voice lessons having nothing to do with this. And it's also great that I'm up there because um, I'm also moving people's energy. So it's like I got to burp sometimes and like somebody's trying to clear their throat and I like has a block and I'm like, <clears throat> like trying to help them move their block <laughs> through my body so that we can move it. So it is what it is. Um but I, I love I love that share because that's a really good share because there's so much throat and voice trauma that is in 
that is just so stuck in people. And when we get to the written part, I find that there is so much school trauma about handwriting and art trauma that is just so stuck in people. Um, mm -hmm. I remember the beings, the dragons were like, you know, you're going to sing in front of people. And I'm like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're crazy. And then later I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is really happening. Like we're doing this. And they're like, yeah, you're doing this. And my voice like uh, has been like, I mean, I want to say an uphill battle, but it's been like mass, just so much stuff like in here. Um. So, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's big. And I remember the first time that I was needing to sing light language in front of people, I'd have somebody like play the voice and the heart bowl. And I was just sobbing and I knew exactly why it was stuck and why it was there. And I was like, there is no way that I have given this person that much power over me. And I was just, you know, simultaneously like upset with myself, but it's also been like, I've been like an artist my whole life and I was fine with that being my expression and that being my voice. And then later they were like, no, you, you know, you know, or the written word. And they're like, no, no, we're, we're going to like use it. You're using mm -hmm. it publicly. I mean, not like I haven't been teaching for a long time, but that didn't count to me as public necessarily. Um, so it's all, it's just all a beautiful process and I love witnessing people mm -hmm. go through whatever wounds or traumas that they need to like heal and and then to be able yeah. to discover those like yeah. why do I I don't like the written light language and then we can get like curious about it mm -hmm. and it's always pointing to something else it is it requires a lot of courage to do this and I want to just take a moment and speak to people if you're having fear or feeling very vulnerable about opening yourself up to your mediumship practice. You know, this is something that everyone who goes through this, everyone who is opening up to mediumship goes through some variation of this. And even though, you know, Kat, I know you've had a very uh, dramatic awakening experience and there are many people who are tuning into this who have as well. Even though I did not have a dramatic awakening, I, I kind of gradually woke up throughout my entire childhood. Uh, Ashley, it sounds like that might be the case for you as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was never really turned off to it. I still was terrified when I was being asked to start to share this more publicly. It was, uh, it was much easier for me to do it in session and to have, um, you know, it, it started, I remember, by like, I would see something or I would hear a message and be guided to share it. And that was a very gentle growth edge for me. And then the next growth edge was to start to sing. Um, and for me, I enjoy singing. That that wasn't ever really a, a very challenging growth edge for me within the container of like a single session or, or session with a single person. But then uh, one of the big growth edges for me in my mediumship was when I started, I was guided to start holding groups. And Kat, I think you were there actually very early on, you know, over 10 years ago when I was starting to hold channeling groups. And this was something that my guides very clearly instructed me to do, where I was to gather groups of people and do readings and transmissions for a group of 
strangers or a, so a group good. of you, you know were so good at it michelle you were so good i was so impressed i was like oh my gosh <laughs> no, oh, it was terrifying. every single person she's getting things it was so great i was so impressed by your your abilities <laughs> thank you oh gosh I, I really appreciate that and it was terrifying but i did it because that's what i was instructed to do and it was a it was a huge growth edge and i had to be okay with every single time going into that what if it doesn't work what if nothing happens what if nothing comes through what if people are upset by what i say what if it's wrong these were all questions that would come mm -hmm. up every single time that i would be guided to this and it was a leap of faith trust fall experience every single time mm -hmm. and what that did for me was it um it built up my uh, my trust in my channel, my trust in my mediumship practice, and also my my self-trust of being totally okay, potentially disappointing people. Mm -hmm. Because I, I will say also for those of us who are offering mediumship work or offering light language work, what we might offer or what we offer to people might trigger the heck out of people. Oh, it sure. might, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It might be met with resistance. With uh, I've never had anyone straight up cuss me out, but essentially, like, tell me mm -hmm. to, you know, to go screw myself because of things that were shared or transmitted, or because of the degree of discomfort in them receiving that transmission. So it is a very vulnerable thing, and you know, we as channels. Our first, uh, you know, we are guided by integrity. That's a huge component of my practice that I hold mm -hmm. for myself and that I offer to my students when I'm training and mentoring people in mediumship is guided by integrity to, to yourself, to spirit, to what is coming through you and to being of service and to not, um, not catering to what people want to hear, but an understanding that people, when we're offering light language transmissions or any mediumship transmissions, we are offering what is needed, whether or not people like it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people don't like it. Sometimes it's deeply mm -hmm. confronting. And that's, that's where the human part of this comes in, where we as the human facilitator get to help hold people in that experience. And I'm definitely not leaving people unattended in this, but helping to guide them and to cushion and to offer practices and context as to the transmissions that they're receiving. And, you know, most of the time, I will say that the times where people are, you know, getting so pissed off about it are very, very infrequent. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, most of the time, if people are uncomfortable, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's um, guidance around that that makes it a little easier for people to grapple with challenging or confronting transmissions but you know that was something that i i needed to go through that practice of trust falling i did it once a month every month for a, a, i don't know at least a couple of years few years to really cultivate that comfort of going in blind to a group of people anywhere from i think like five to about 20 people every month to do this transmission for them until I was guided to stop. And, uh, and that's still the case, you know, with now my, my comfort in offering transmissions to a group is, is much, uh, much higher, much more comfortable, but my growth edge personally that I needed to lean into was my painting and drawing. And that was something, mm. so Ashley, I hear you talk about voice lessons. And for me, I just started painting a few years ago because it terrified me. 
Right. Specifically, that was the reason why I started painting because draw. I, I see the most beautiful things. I see these symbols. Yeah. I see these incredibly epic transmissions and I was never able to translate that into a visual format. And so that, and I don't do paintings for other people. I, I mean, I had someone ask me well, about you're really good. You're silly. You're like a really good artist, actually. Like your, your, your abilities are, are really, are really right on. And... Thank you. I mean, Kat's an amazing artist. Kat is like <laughs> next level art. But but for me, that was the thing that was terrifying. So for all of you out there, th this is, you know, back to my original point, for everyone out there feeling vulnerable or feeling terrified or feeling deeply, deeply confronted by some aspect of your mediumship or your light language practice, totally normal. We get normal. it. All of us have been there. Normal. Yes. And lean in, lean into the vulnerability. Normal. There is really juicy stuff there for you. Yeah. I know that I spent years hearing you need to channel in front of groups of people and being like, no, 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 no. And, and being confronted by it. And, um, I also remember putting on a circle once and, uh, it was actually at the end of the circle afterwards, I, when I would do something for everyone, but one of my good friends was there and I was like, every time I was like, nothing's coming, nothing's coming, nothing's coming. And then I, I told her, I was like, I'll give you something later. I, I, I don't know why there's nothing for you now. And it was at the end, everything was wrapped up and all of this, and there was an interaction between her and another man. And this thing came through and it was as if I had just punched her in the gut, this one line that came through and she went to bed and cried for three days. And um. I felt horrible. And I was like, I was devastated that I would do something that would hurt someone that I loved. And then, you know, she came out and she was like, that was the absolute thing that I needed more than anything else in the world. And this is definitely like my number one core wound and issue that, that needed to transmute in this process. And so yeah, it's it's not always pretty. It's not always cute. It's not always sounds great. It's not always uh, comfortable. And I think that's why it is so important to get support and to receive instruction and to have somebody on your side that can help you to integrate these pieces and to guide you through these integration practices. It sounds like you're really great at that, Ashley. I love your focus on the integration portion and the understanding of your own personal self in the process, not trying to like make make somebody like you, but to no, no. have That's somebody the first, be one. I'm not here to create clones myself <laughs> because I don't think that we celebrate difference enough. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I get as humans, we want to belong to the tribe and like similarities are really helpful for us, but like Celebrating difference is, is such a huge component. And I think it's like, that's the beautiful thing. And no, I don't want, nobody needs to be like me. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry, I continue. Ashley, will you tell us a little, <laughs> just a little bit more about your, your course and. Yeah, um, so it's, it's nine weeks. Um, I have a lovely guest speaker named Michelle Hawk that will be joining us um, in during one of those nine weeks. So um, we meet twice a week on Wednesday evenings, Pacific time. There's um, currently some somebody from Australia, somebody, you know, people from the East Coast, West Coast, they're from all over the place. 
a, a lot of practitioners, but that's not to, I tend to draw in a lot of practitioners, but that isn't to discourage if, if you're sitting there going, I'm not a practitioner. Um, it, you don't need to be one. It's not a requirement. Um, I love the containers and the people that show up because they're meant to show up and we all support each other in the process. Um, divine witnessing is a really big component um, because a lot of us have relational traumas. So the way in which we can repattern those is to be witnessed by other people who are accepting us as we are. And the craziest thing that you can do <laughs> is to get up there and speak in tongues or light language or whatever is coming through you. Um, I have developed a lot of processes that will help us work up to it. We also spend some time working with past lifetimes um, to release um, lifetimes where we have maybe misused power um, or technology. We do work with crystals a little bit in, in, this, um, in this course as well. And um, we focus a lot on sort of voice reclamation because that tends to be where the majority of people get sort of stuck. We definitely go over body stuff because we're going to be moving um, our bodies as well. And um, I have some things that are set up so that when we are practicing the quote unquote drawing part or the written part. So I have, they're called base activations. So I've already created them so that people can sort of practice with those. And so in it, in and of itself, it helps to sort of provide a foundation so that you can incorporate your own light language written form into it. And then we can expand beyond that. If you are somebody that's like, I already have my light language done. And then I also encourage you to come into the space because you can expand more and more. I do know that we're going to have a day that's actually, because this has been coming in, that's pretty focused on activating if you want, right? You can always pick something else. So I'm always going to like offer, like, if you don't want this, that's okay. We can, you can choose something else, but like a, our dragon song. So for people that want to connect more with their dragon lineages, that will be available. So I'm always very excited by this course and I'm always very um, honored to be able to be in it with the people that show up and I, and it's the, the group is powerful because it is a group. And I find I can activate people's light language like one-on-one, -on -one, but I find that activating people's light language um, is, it's like more powerful in this group space. And then coming together in a group just creates this like frequency that just gets to get emitted like out into the collective. So yeah, we'll be starting February 28th of 2024, and I'm super excited. And I'm very excited to have Michelle come and um, speak to everyone. Awesome. That sounds so great, Ashley. Thank you so much. And for those of you, if you happen to be catching this episode after the course has already started, you can definitely go find Ashley on her website, galacticashley.com. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and maybe tune in for the next time she offers that course. And if you catch it before then, hope to see you in there. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks Ashley. Thank you. Awesome. And, uh, Oh, I was going to say, for those of you who, who don't know, Kat also, Catherine Bird also teaches mediumship practice and she has a channeling course coming up as well. So, uh, I mean, I think even based on the timing, you could do Ashley's course and then go straight into open your channel with Kat if you wanted to double up. Yeah. I, I actually really do lot. recommend, 
I recommend doing that, actually. I think that's really a beneficial practice. So for me, my I have a channeling course, but it doesn't matter because it's at the end of the year and we don't care about that right now. So <laughs> it's, um, it's really great to go into the light language one because you can free yourself to not have to bring in the like language of your native tongue. And then mm-hmm. so it can be a really great primer to enter into Kat's course. So it wouldn't be uh-huh. too much. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, we and then come do Sacred Ecology with me. Right. Yes. We start in April for channeling Open Your Channel, mm-hmm. which is really developing different forms of mediumship and a lot of the personal practices and energy practices you need to be able to stabilize mediumship work. Awesome. Yeah, and love what do you got going on? Uh, currently, I mean, based on right now, February 2024, I am taking applications for I Am Alchemy which is a year-long shamanic alchemy apprenticeship for those who are called to alchemical practice and philosophy, working both with Western hermetic alchemy as well as uh, shamanic practices, ritual practices, and particularly movement movement practices and consciousness practices, drawing also from Eastern Taoist alchemical practice as well. And we are working specifically with the art and science of transformation based in universal law. So we study the mystery. We study all of the the mystery of life all around us and how transformation works in the world and in the universe. And we study the particular practices and applications of transformational principles through movement practices, ritual practices, consciousness practices, uh, and unfold into our greatest radiance and illumination from there. So this is great also for practitioners, similar to what Ashley was saying, you do not need to be a practitioner to participate in I Am Alchemy, but it certainly does help and work well with, you know, any of your existing modalities as either a body worker or a coach, therapist, healer, energy healer, medium, etc. then adding alchemy to your practice will support you in your transformational capacity. Awesome. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a really wonderful discussion. I'm so, so happy that you said yes to coming on our podcast. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your wonderful, uh, your wonderful knowledge and your wonderful skill about working with light language. And I know that and anyone in your course would certainly benefit and be very fortunate to have you as a guide and a teacher. And we are very happy to share your wisdom with our audience here on Shaman Sister Sessions as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, for those, all of you,